when you think of a last word, the last line in a movie, a lot of times you, you start to see what a character is all about. And, and, and one of my all-time favorite final last words comes from the movie Batman Begins. Take a look. I never said thank you. It's in that precise moment. I never said thank you, and Batman gives, you know, and you'll never have to. You see, you know, what he's all about. He's not in it for the thanks. He's in it to truely save Gotham. You see, in a sense, what the whole storyline of the movie has been about. In Jonah, however, the last words, the final statement doesn't focus on Jonah the way that we often think of it. You know, when we, when we were kids, we were told this story, and we were basically told that, you know, Jonah, we were told a story, and then he goes to Nineveh, and then we just kind of end the story there. We end the story of what well, Nineveh repents, praise God, and Jonah is the hero of the day, but we leave off the last part of Jonah. And as we, as we look at the last bit of Jonah, we start to see more about God than we see about the prophet Jonah. And that's what the whole entire book has been about. It's been about God's compassion, His grace. If you remember back several weeks ago, we, we looked at God's packed compassion throughout the book. We looked at the fact that God was compassionate on Jonah even when he ran. That God was compassionate, He was gracious to a group of pagan sailors as He moved them from worshiping pagan gods to worshiping the one true God. And then we, we saw God's compassion at work to transform Jonah as he's in the belly of the fish. And then last week we looked at how God was compassionate to people who are the farthest away from Him. God's compassion is on display in the book of Jonah. God's mercy, His grace is on display. And what we're going to see in Jonah chapter 4 is Jonah's problem, and if we're honest with ourselves, our problem, is that Jonah's mission or Jonah's will did not align with the mission of God. It did not align with the mission of God. And what we're going to see is that God compassionately disciplines us to bring us into His will, to, to bring us into alignment with His mission. Let's go to the text now, Jonah chapter 4, and I'm going to ask that if you're able, please stand with, with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. Hear what God says. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? 
Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city to make a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he, uh, till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pitied the plant for which you did not labor and you did not make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. Listen to what God says. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. Heavenly Father, as we finish our time in Jonah, Lord, I pray that, that You would use Your Word to convict us. That You would use Your Word to align us, Lord. Because what we see in Jonah, Lord, is Your compassion on display. We see all of Nineveh repenting. People who are far from You coming near to You. And Father, we, we know that our mission, we, we've, we see our mission, we know what it is, we know that our mission is, is to reach the lost, we know that our mission is to fulfill the Great Commission, and Father, so many times we let so many things stand in our way, and, and we, we get so caught up on other things and misalign ourselves with the mission. Father, in the same way that You lovingly and graciously confronted Jonah. I pray, Lord, that You would lovingly and graciously confront us. Encourage us, Lord, as we look at Your grace. Remind us, Lord, of Your Gospel. The Gospel that tells us that we are not earning our way into Your presence and Your favor, but God, You've given it to us in Christ at the cross. Lord, remind us that if we are in Christ, we are loved. More than we could have ever imagined. We are forgiven we are made children. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. As we start to kind of dissect Jonah chapter 4, I've kind of helpfully tried to put it into to three scenes that will kind of help us work our way through it. And the first scene is backward priorities. Backward priorities. As, as we see Jonah 4 start to open up, we need to re realize where he's coming from. Notice in verse 1, it displeased Jonah exceedingly. What displeased Jonah? Well, if you back up to the verse before in, in chapter 3, verse 10, this is what happened to Nineveh. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that He said He would do to them, and He did not do it. Perhaps some of the greatest words of all the Scripture that God saw that they repented, and He relented from bringing calamity and judgment on them you would expect God's prophet, the one who preached the message that brought the entire city to repentance, to be glad. But that's not what we see, is it? 
I want to call your attention to verse 1 there, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. Exceedingly. He was not happy. He was angry that God had forgiven Nineveh. What's interesting though is is later on in the narrative in in verse 6, it says, Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it may be a shade for his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah, notice what it says in verse 6, was exceedingly glad for the plant. Don't you think it's strange that Jonah is displeased exceedingly that an entire city escaped God's judgment, but he is exceedingly glad that a plant came up and grew up and gave him comfort from the sun. You see, his priorities are out of order. He's prioritizing his comfort and God confronts him in it and God says, well, you know, why are you, why are you doing this? Do you do well to be angry? He tells God, this is why I disobeyed to begin with. Because I knew you would forgive them if they repented. I knew you would do it. I know, God, I know the Scriptures. I know that it says that you are slow to anger. You're abounding in steadfast love. I knew you would forgive them if they turned. Well, they turned and now he's displeased. His priorities are out of order. As I think about Jonah's priorities, it makes me think about my own. It makes me think about our priorities. Where are our priorities? Because a lot of us may be exactly where Jonah is. A lot of us may be in the boat where our priority, instead of on God's mission, instead of on His, His will, His way, Our priority is our comfort. Lord, I will go wherever You call me to go. I will do whatever You call me to do, but I must be comfortable. I must be comfortable. Maybe maybe some of you, your priority may be your your ambition, your success. Lord, I'll I'll do what you want me to do as long as my reputation, as long as my uh, climbing the ladder, as long as all of that doesn't get sacrificed to follow. Lord, I'll I'll follow You. I'll do whatever You want me to except for I I just have to have blank. And whatever it is, we misalign our priorities and just like Jonah, we reveal that our heart is not aligned with God's heart. Where are our priorities? What do we prioritize? The narrative doesn't stop there. The narrative continues and uh, after... Uh, moving to this, this next scene, we start to see what the book of Jonah is all about, and it's God's compassion. The next scene we'll call God's discipline. God loves Jonah and is too compassionate to Jonah to just let him exist in his state of misaligned priorities. God loves Jonah too much to just let him go his way in his sin. And so notice what what happens there. God begins to act. God comes to him. And I I want to call your attention to to a word that occurs several times. The word appointed. Appointed. Notice in verse 6, God appointed a plant to come up. And then you you see that word again, appointed. He appointed a worm to come and, and eat the plant. Then he appointed 
a, a, a scorching wind to blow so that Jonah just about fainted. Notice that in each step of the way here, we see God's sovereignty at work. We see God is appointing these things. It doesn't just so happen that a plant comes up. It doesn't just so happen. God appoints it to happen. Why does He do that? Because He is making a point to Jonah. He's making a point that we'll see in just a moment, but ultimately we see God appointing these things to bring discipline to Jonah. To bring discipline to confront him because he loves him too much. Now, when we think about discipline, a lot of people would say, well, God disciplines us, and that's an evidence that He doesn't love us. They say, well, when God disciplines His kids, it's, it's not out of love. And, and I, I want to submit to you this morning that that's the that's the reason God does discipline us is because He does love us. For example, we see in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, uh, this is what the author of Hebrews says, Have you not forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons or, or children? My son, don't regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as children. For what son is there whom his father doesn't discipline? If you're left without discipline in which we have all participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. And of course, the point there is God disciplines His children out of love. It is a loving thing when God confronts us in our sin. It is a loving thing. And, and notice what he says, it means that we are His. You know, there, there are many people who would say, yes, I'm a Christian, and yet they, they are completely walking outside of God's will. They, they're not pursuing God in the least. And they say, yes, but I'm a Christian. I walked an aisle, I prayed a prayer, I was baptized. But what does the text say? There's no discipline going on in their life, and so that means that they're most likely not His kids. God will discipline His children. Out of love, out of kindness. We see that happening in Jonah. And I think a lot of us can see that concept happening in our own lives, especially those of us with children. I think about preschoolers, because we, we have one. And discipline is not pleasant. I don't discipline my kids because I, I enjoy it, because I, I get some pleasure out of, out of it. No, I discipline them as painful as it may be, because I love them. Because I have to teach my, my children that it's not okay to hit other people. It's not okay to, uh, to yell at other people. It's not okay to yell at your brother. It's not okay to run out and play in the road, is it? It's not okay to repeat the things that mom and dad says. Everybody has that kid, and, and we, we definitely have that kid repeats everything that we say. So if you hear her say something crazy, she didn't hear it from us, she heard it from her grandparents. All of these things that, that we're, we're teaching our children to grow them into the people that they need to be, we do this out of love. As, as we continue looking at the text, not only does God appoint this the, these things to happen, but notice God addressing Jonah. Jonah's not happy about the plant dying. He's not happy about the plant dying. He says he's angry enough to die. 
But notice what God says. Does God tell him, all right, well, back to the fish with you. No, God, God confronts him and says, hey, do you do well to be angry? Actually, he says it twice in verse 4 and then again in verse 9. Do you do well to be angry? I mean, I, I can just almost hear God's tone just graciously confronting Jonah. Do you do well to be angry? And you know, I'm so glad that not only does God do this to Jonah, but God does it with us as well. God is not going to let us run and He's going to come and confront us and He's going to, as we see in the book of Jonah, bring us back and pursue us. God is disciplining Jonah. And a question I, I think we should ask ourselves is, how do we view God's discipline? What do we think about God's discipline? And I say that realizing that there may be some of you in this room who you are feeling the hand of God's discipline right now. How do you look at God's discipline? Do you look at it as, well, I'm being disciplined by God, so you know He must not care for me. Maybe you're, you're here this morning and you're saying, you know, I am not walking in God's will. I'm not aligned with His mission. I'm not following Him. I'm not pursuing Him at all. And... and you might find yourself under His discipline. How do you look at that? How do you view that? Because that is so important to our walk with Christ to, for us to realize that when God disciplines us, He does it out of His care. And furthermore, when we see His discipline come on our lives, we should see that as His care and then repent. God's kindness draws us to repentance. His discipline should cause us to repent. It should not cause us to run farther away from Him. Whether you're like Jonah or whether you're pursuing other things, you're, you're, you've made other things your treasure, whatever it is, I pray that God would discipline you. That He would discipline you, and as harsh as this sounds, that He would not allow you to even sleep until you finally come to a point of obedience and repentance. We see that Jonah has backward priorities, and then we see in the second scene that God disciplines Jonah, and then we finally see at the last scene what it's all about. What it's all about. The heart of God. Scene 3. Notice what the point that God is making. He's asking Jonah, do you do well to be angry? Jonah says, yes, I'm, I'm angry enough to die. I cannot believe that you killed the plant, the one source of comfort that I have. You took it away. You caused discomfort. You brought your discipline on me. And God says, well, you have compassion, you have pity on a plant. Shouldn't I have pity on something so much more than a plant? And you almost see God here saying, if you can have compassion, if you can have pity on, on this, this plant, a plant that is, is here today and gone tomorrow, shouldn't I, the God of the universe, have compassion on people who last forever? And, and notice, we see the heart of God here. Look at what He says. He says, Should not I have pity on Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left? And also much cattle. Don't forget about the cattle. Don't forget about the cattle. What we see is that God's heart is for people who are far from Him to come to Him. 
Or to put it a different way, God's heart is for the entire world, the nations to come and know Him. And just like we looked at last week, God's heart is for the Nineveh. God's heart is not just for a few people here in Mount Carmel to believe the Gospel and be saved. Not just for a few people in Florine to be saved. God's heart is for the entire Sabine Parish to be saved. Our entire state to be saved. In fact, the entire nation, the entire world. The Gospel needs to reach everyone. Everyone needs the Gospel. And when we think about God's heart, when we think about His mission and His mercy and His compassion, listen church, we should be aligned with it. Does our heart match up to God's heart? The heart that God has for people to come, does our heart match up with that? Does our will line up with His? We see that Jonah's does not. Even the man who went and preached and people repented, even for him, it does not match up. And if we find, and I think we all find this at times, if we find that our passion is not God's compassion to sinners, if we find that our will is not aligned with His, if we find that our mission is not in alignment with His, then we need to reevaluate what we treasure. We need to reevaluate what we treasure. We sing a song, often a hymn, that says, Ever since by faith I saw the stream thy flowing wounds supplied, redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. When we truly are aligned with God, when we truly understand the magnitude of the gospel, we just cannot help ourselves but redeeming love to be our theme, to be what we're all about, for us to be on mission. Are we aligned with Him? Are we following His will? Another question that that we have to ask ourselves is what is our plant? What is our plant? Now for Jonah, it was an actual plant that sprouted up and gave him comfort. And ultimately we see he was in love with comfort. He wanted to be comfortable more than he cared about the mission. What's your plant? What is your plant? What is the thing that stands in the way of you fulfilling, you pursuing the will of God? Brothers and sisters, when we find what that is, whether it be comfort, whether it be success, whether it be our family, whether it be a relationship, whether it be money, all of these things, whatever is getting in our way of following after God, of of aligning with His purpose, His mission, let me tell you what we need to do. We need to kill the plant. We don't need to wait on God to kill the plant. You don't have to wait on God to to discipline you. But why, why don't we live now? Why don't we kill our plants now and align ourselves with Him? Let's not wait on God to discipline us. Let's not wait on God to confront us. Let's do it now. Let's kill the plant now. And as we we look at that, as we look at what stands in the way, we need to do whatever is necessary. Whatever is necessary to remove it. To remove it. We see in the passage here, scene one, backward priorities. Jonah's priorities are completely backwards. We see scene two, God disciplines Jonah. 
God loves him too much to let him go that way. And brothers and sisters, God loves us too much to let us go our own way. God loves us too much to let us go our own way. And finally, we see the heart of God. We see that God has compassion on people who are far from Him. And ultimately, we see that at the cross, don't we? We see God's mercy, His compassion at the cross. But it's because at the cross, Jesus was dying in sinners' places. He died in the place of sinners so that anyone who comes to Him can be forgiven and cleansed. And so some of you today, that may be you. There may be some of you in this room today who would say, you know, I need God to forgive me. If you knew the things that I had done in my life, no one would want to talk to me. No one would want me in this place. I'm here to tell you today that God can reach even the lowest person, even the most sinful person God can save. Because at the cross, Christ absorbed, Christ took on God's wrath so that when we come to Him in repentance and asking for His forgiveness and trusting Christ, we find that our sins have been forgiven at the cross. We find that we've been adopted at the cross. We find that everything that we need to relate to God, we have. We find that at the cross, we have the Holy Spirit who guides us. And so for some of you in just a moment, when we sing a song of response, for you that may mean that you need to for the first time say, I'm going to follow Jesus. But I think there's a lot of us who, we may be at a point where we are not living our lives aligned with God's mission. Or to put it a different way, that we're not living our lives according to God's will. And if that's you this morning, the invitation for you is simply to do, to identify whatever is standing in the way and by God's help to remove it. And so in just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And so for some of you, that means that you may need to actually get up from where you are and maybe come down front and kneel and you say, well, why do I, why do I need to do that? Because for some reason, when we physically move to a new location, it's symbolic of what's going on in our heart. And so for some of you, you may be touched. The Holy Spirit may be really just saying, yes, you need to remove whatever is standing in the way. And for some of you, that may mean that you get up from where you are and you come down here and pray. For some of you, that may mean that you stay where you are and kneel. For some of you, that may mean you've got to wrestle with this all week. But whatever it is, I invite you this morning to kill the plant. Align yourself with God's mission. Align yourself with His will. We see ultimately in this passage that God is gracious to discipline us, to bring us back so that we would walk in His will. Father in heaven, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You, Lord, for Jonah. We thank You that we serve a compassionate God. We serve a God who doesn't just leave us in our sin, but a God that pursues us. A God that disciplines us to bring us back. And Father, as we see Your discipline, we ultimately see it coming from a hand of love, a hand of compassion. A hand that has a heart for Your mercy and Your grace to abound. 
for it to spread, for the gospel to, to move, to bring people who are far from you near to you. And God, I confess to you that there are times when I, there are times when we don't align ourselves with that mission. That we, we pursue our, our own comfort, we pursue ourselves, we pursue whatever it is that we pursue. And God, this morning, we want to come to You and say, Lord, whatever is standing in our way of walking with You, walking in Your will, Lord, we want You to remove it. God, whatever it takes to bring us along to be better disciples, Lord, would You do it? And God, there, there are people in this room who don't know You, and I pray that, that they would see their need for You. That they would see the mercy and the grace that is offered by You. And that they would come this morning to experience that forgiveness for the first time. In Jesus' name, Amen.